0: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Deadlines in Hollywood Podcast. I am Amanda Duca and I'm sitting next to...
4: I am Dino Ray Ramos. Hey, Dino. hey so
3: i just got back from toronto and um we just did something really exciting with the podcast we did our first official live recording with the yes. podcast um well you did i well, wasn't, yeah, Dino there. wasn't able to come but he, I got, was there he, in got, he got his shot at his shout out uh, <laughs> but we basically it was this panel consisting of these uh female filmmakers from from established filmmakers to to um you know, burgeoning filmmakers, and they have all made uh, short films, and we just came together and had this really great conversation about the state of female filmmaking in uh, in Hollywood right now. Um, some of the panelists included, um, uh, Yara it Shidi- a, it, Shihidi. Yeah, it yeah. was a huge Yara, panel. Yara, who's a star. This was her first time she uh, directed a film. Jessica Sanders, who's an, a more established filmmaker. Um, you also had Gillian Jacobs, who's, uh, yeah. people won't know her more for her acting. Yeah, yeah. community. Community um,
4: and, uh, and love, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gillian yeah.
3: Barnes, uh, Janine sherman Barra, who's, uh, who's the, the showrunner for Claws. Um, Ivy Agregan, and Anna Martimucci, who's also known as A.M. Lucas. Um, so yeah, we just had this really great conversation, and they had a, they hosted a brunch, yeah. so people got to get their grub on, and oh. it was super insightful. Um, and it was probably my favorite thing out of the whole festival, to awesome. be honest. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, we saw some great films. I saw First Man. Which oh, yeah. We hearing good things
4: about that one. That yeah. Well, like Toronto, I mean, like, it's one of my favorite festivals when I get to go. Um, and it's kind of like the launching pad of award mm-hmm, season, mm-hmm. basically, because that's when... You know that's where La La Land was. That's where Moonlight. Well, Moonlight was also in Telluride because, like,
3: yeah, Moonlight was. Tell- but Telluride bleeds into yeah, Toronto yeah, yeah. basically.
4: And um, so, what else? Is First Man? First there's, Man. Yeah. Um, oh, A Star Is A Born. A Star
3: Is <laughs> Born, which was is my favorite out of everything that I saw. I, I didn't get to see it that much. I saw probably like six or seven films, mm. but A Star Is Born took the cake to me. Yeah, like, Lady Gaga is. Amazing! It, it, I don't even like you don't see, it, but he, she's amazing, and that's it. really the only word I can think of. Um, and Bradley too, like he da, he's he surprised me. His that's good. Surprised to hear. me. His uh, directorial style was, I think, very really. Unique. I think it's something that I personally haven't um, seen before.
4: I actually this weekend watched the nineteen seventy six, The Star Is Born, oh, oh, nice. to prep myself.
3: Nice. I hadn't seen the other. I you seen don't.
4: The other. Need to. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen. I that. don't. I was like, "Oh, is this supposed to be good?" Yeah. Um. I mean, it was fine, and it was Barbara Streisand yeah. and Chris Christopherson, because it reminds me of like when I was looking at the trailer for A Star is Born, the, the new yeah, one, because yeah. there's similarities. Because there's also the Judy Garland one, which is like 1940-something or 19—it's the older one. There's an even older one. Yeah,
3: there's like there's, a 9 yeah. Isn't there like three? There's prior, prior yeah three now.
4: prior ones. But yeah, I just this hasn't this uh, stars born has been in the works forever because yeah. Clint Beyonce, Eastwood yeah Clint Eastwood and, was gonna and, direct yeah, with Beyonce. Yeah, yeah,
3: no, it was to me it, it's the standout. I haven't seen anything. I know. Did you just watch Bill Street? No, I missed oh. it, but I saw the reactions on Twitter and they were he, he, yeah, he was getting really, and apparently he got super emotional during his uh, presentation. Um, it's Barry Jenkins, Barry
4: yeah, Jenkins' yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then you you didn't get to
3: watch Roma, which is kind of the top. no, that's the. I was like, cause that one won like the, the big award out of Venice, yeah. right? Yeah. I,
4: yeah. I think yeah. So. And yeah. And uh, that's been like the, that bu- like that one, first man and, and, and stars. Those, born. Those, those are the, those four are
3: buzzy ones out of the festival. No, I have to say star is born. Like, it was so funny it was like a concert, so anytime Gaga would perform, the whole theater would like erupt in clapping. Ugh. And like during like the silent emotional moment, you could hear everybody just sniffling. I had to, I had, to, I kind of laughed a little bit because it was just kind of awkward that everybody was just crying. But like there were points where some people were turning away because it got really, really, oh, really? okay. Not, like not like graphic, but just the. the well, like if it ends it, like
4: the 1976 one, like I, I would, I would think. Well, we'll talk about it yeah. off mic because
3: <laughs> I'm not gonna spoil. But yeah. I think, I think the 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 um underlying plots are the same but just the way things happen is yeah, yeah. different. That's and what, that's and what the I music. Heard. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah and then the yeah, music. I,
4: I would really highly recommend watching because it's on Netflix. Oh the, really? The okay, Rose I'm gonna Rising. watch it. Oh uh, just because it. I was like and it was like the seventies, so it was when like that whole movement of realistic filmmaking was coming into play mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. they're just like so real. And I was and apparently like I was looking up after like not everyone got along. Oh, really? Apparently, the director and Barbara Streisand then not get no. along. Wait, wait, wait,
5: Barbara Streisand
4: did not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe right. that. Right? No, you could tell Gaga and uh, they Robbie, have. A, I heard they, their chemistry is their like chemistry off the was charts. Off the freaking charts. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one I have to give a shout out to is Widows. Shout okay, to Viola. Of course, and I like, never see. I've never seen Viola in a role like this before, and I was highly pleased. Well, with it's, the
4: it's that, and it's Steve McQueen, yeah, who I Steve think McQueen. is an amazing filmmaker just like the choices he makes like Like I remember watching Shame for the first time, and I don't know if you've have you. I haven't seen it, but I know. I know it's Michael Fassbender. Yeah, there's the scene in the beginning where it's just him and (laughs) And his naked. No, (laughs) but But it's it's uh, yeah, Nicole. Yeah, she's in it too. And then um, Twelve Years a Slave, of course. Yeah, of course. No,
3: that movie was definitely. I think I don't want to rank them. Honestly, I'm just gonna say Sarasborn Born is was my favorite. Okay, Um, but that was definitely it's definitely up there. I um I think um. So yeah, oh, and before we move on to this uh recording, I sh- I forgot to mention earlier that this was actually done in partnership with refinery 29. Oh. They're the ones that have this it's, it's called Shatterbox, They're Shatterbox, I'm which is where they that's where they take these um these filmmakers and they give them this opportunity to you know, get their voices out there and be heard giving giving shattering yeah. the box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so the they they all these ladies that were on this panel, they like I said, they filmed uh their own shorts that are I think and I believe they're available on TNT's um social media sites so so definitely check some just check them out like Let's let let's give our our female filmmakers yeah some
4: love. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, and then like I remember seeing pictures, and I you know of course I was like, oh, oh my God, I wish I was there. But <laughs> at the same time, it's it's kind of cool seeing like the setup that y'all had. Oh my God, it was amazing. amazing. Yeah, and then I was looking on Twitter, and I was like, oh my God, people are starting to like our other our our past tweets of, yeah. of, of a New Hollywood podcast. Yeah, so yeah, I was, no, was I was great, really excited.
3: Great, great response, great event. Um, so yeah, let's 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 get to the talk. Thank you guys so much for being here for our first ever Deadline New Hollywood live podcast recording. Woo! Woo! Um... So my name is Amanda Induca, and I'm just going to tell you a little bit about our podcast. I, along with my uh, co-host Dino Ramos, who couldn't be here sadly, um, we co-host this podcast for Deadline, where we basically it's a celebration of diversity in Hollywood. So we we strive to feature artists from communities that have been traditionally overlooked in in the industry. So people of color, people in the LGBTQ communities, people in the disabled communities, immigrants, and um, like the one we have today, women. Um, and, we, and, we are, um, and we are happy to have Refinery29 here with us to kick off this, uh, this uh, launch. So I'm gonna pass it over to Amy and uh, Shannon and they're gonna explain a little bit about their chatterbox program.
5: Good morning, everybody. I was told that this is a place filled with love and that was this place's intention. So I just want to give a shout out to all of you entrepreneurial women who are here today who work out of this space and good for you and we support you and we're just really glad to be here. So I'm Amy Emmerich, the Chief Content Officer of Refinery29. Thank you very much. With me is... I'm Shannon Gibson, the
0: Executive
1: Producer of Shatterbox. Shatterbox uh, exists to create opportunities for directors who have historically been overlooked, uh, namely women. Mm -hmm.
5: Just half the population, okay. So we are really excited to introduce you to the directors of this season's Shatterbox. I'm just gonna stand over here so they can come on up. First up, Gilly Barnes. (laughs) Ivy Aggregan. (laughs) <laughs> and give me a minute. Janine Sherman-Barreau, I messed that up. Yara Shahidi, Gillian Jacobs, Jessica Sanders, and A.M. Lucas, did I get everybody? Good morning, power women. Have a seat on this beautiful blue couch with A.M. Um, to kick this off, we just want all of you to enjoy a clip of Refinery29 and TNT's Shatterbox. Enjoy.
6: How do you know what you're looking at if you can't see the whole picture? If you're only presented with half?
2: That's television today. Women make up half the population but only 21% of the stories we see come from a female
7: perspective. It's time to bring these untold stories into focus. Okay,
2: let's reset. Introducing Shatterbox, a new series of short films from Refinery29 and TNT that invites groundbreaking female directors to show us how
6: they see the world,
2: their way.
6: I think, what if my voice isn't good enough? Our voices are exactly what they need to be
2: know the half of it
6: and we deserve the full picture.
2: I don't want to talk about being a female
6: director.
2: I want to talk about being a director. Expand your vision with a new series of short films and stream all Shatterbox films now on the TNT app.
3: So what I really love about this program um, when I first uh, became privy to it is obviously giving uh, females a voice, and also um, it, it's, it's with established uh, uh, directors and also up-and-coming emerging directors. So I want to start with the first-timers, um, the first-time directors like uh, Yara and Gillian. Um, could you talk about your experience um, within this program, and what was it like, what was your biggest takeaway?
7: Well, I was terrified to do it, <laughs> um, but it was an incredibly supportive environment with refinery and TNT. And, um, they gave me the freedom to make whatever i want and it was exciting for me because some people that i got to hire i'd known for years and always wanted to work with and then other people were new to me but everyone really seemed to get on board with the mission of of this whole shatterbox series and worked so hard and gave it everything they had so i couldn't have had a i I had a friend visit and went it's a really nice set you've got going on. And it really was. It was just such a lovely group of people who worked really, really hard to make this happen. um,
8: I had a very similar experience. I think when they first called just saying, would you like to direct a short? I was like, wait, there are no parameters? Mm -hmm. Okay. um, But... The lovely part about it was just being able to explore what story I wanted to tell and to have that freedom and have the support to actually push me forward and saying, yes, this is exactly how I want to tell it. And um, even in the process of making, of writing the script and I co-wrote it um, with actually one of the writers of Grown-ish, Jordan ish Jordan And that was a lovely process because even when we were on the phone explaining it, there was no explanation. There was no um, justification that had to happen. In the process of it, it was very much just me explaining what I wanted to tell, and also the perks of having a creative family is that my bubba dp would it, my mama EP'd it, um, so it was fully a family affair. Very grateful to be a Shahidi um, because it made the set feel like home. There were people who literally, in the middle of shooting Blackish, decided to come work as crew on my short, and it was it were those moments in which I realized that. The, my voice was necessary, and that my voice was being heard by people, and that people respected that, which was very cool.
3: Um, and for uh, Janine and for Ivy, I, I, you guys have been behind the camera and worked with some some amazing directors. What was it, this was your first directorial debut as well? What was it like getting into that in that director's chair?
2: Um, it, it's funny when you're writing television, you, you pass it on to the director, so f- it felt like it was all in your hands this time. Um, you were responsible for not only the look, but also the talent and, and getting the story and telling the story and getting it out of actors. Oftentimes when you're just the writer, when you come to set, you're like, oh, it's the director's medium, so you give them their space.
6: But when it's you, um, it's, it's exhilarating. It's exhilarating. I agree with that. I think um, being behind the camera and the ability to tell a story for somebody else with storyboards and everything that we do when we plan to shoot something and having the ability to do it now for myself was um, phenomenal because now I could now tell my story because I had been doing it for somebody, somebody else for so long. So. It was, it was amazing to have the opportunity to tell my story. Um, and for, for uh, some of, I
3: guess, some of the ones that have a, a bit more directoral uh, titles under their belt, what, let's just start, what was your, insp- what inspired you to become a director and who were some of the people you looked up to during the early stages of your career? Anybody can, Je- we, can start with Je- we can start with Jessica.
9: Well, I actually grew up in a filmmaking family, so I have a strong, rad, Female director who's a mo- my mom, <laughs> so um, I, I do believe like if, like they say like if you see it, then you can be it. so like I grew up, my mom is a director, and so is my dad so um, she's made she's won an Oscar as a documentary filmmaker, and she just made a movie on Anita Hill, and she, you know she does very incredible like civil rights um, stories and amazing people, so she's definitely a, a role model to me um, and Gil- Gillian
3: Jacobs. <laughs>
6: Oh, I'm sorry. Not
3: Barnes. I'm sorry. (laughs) I meant Barnes. Sorry. What
6: was the question?
3: Um, Who were some of the people you look up to in the early stages of your directing career? Um, Well, I think The Wizard of Oz is my favorite movie,
1: Um, and that's sort of a great thing because it represents the sort of furthest dream that a movie can be. And and as you sort of, if you use it as your kind of like specter out on the horizon, you have like so many ways you can go as as a creator because it's like sort of the best that Hollywood can be you know, the dream machine can be, so, and I think of that as a movie that is, a a it's not just a director's vision, it's a sort of the combination of a great narrative with great execution, and that's sort of a, that's sort of how I am to, I'm interested in sort of aggregating all these great people together to make these big weird visions, you know, so I think movies led me, um, I also come from a filmmaking family, by the way, it's very helpful to see your mother in the editing room when you're five years old, it's, I hope that we can all see more of those mothers. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think it was films. And, uh, and then, of course, I, uh, Stanley Kubrick. I mean, I do love Jane Campion, and I also like kind of crazy Lenny Riefenstahl, who made hideous Nazi propaganda films, but it was an amazing director. Um, so I, I have some female avatar directors, but Stanley Kubrick, to me, is the god of filmmaking. So I think he was a big force that pulled me
3: in. And, I mean, we're obviously in a time where there's a lot of talk about change and change needing to happen, especially for uh, female representation behind the camera. Um, I, I guess we're seeing a bit of, um, uh, I guess, progress, but the numbers are still really low. So what do you say to people who, I guess, what, do, what can you do in, in a sense where, you know, the... the the, ground, the, left, the playing field isn't, isn't, isn't fair. What would you say to um, emerging female fi- fi- filmmakers that, that are kind of like maybe not um, confident in what in what the numbers look like now at the current stage? Just, just, we could, go ahead. I, just,
1: I, have some, I think we probably all have things to say, but when you yeah. talk about younger filmmakers, I feel like passionately the need to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I would say if you're young enough not to have heard these statistics, try and... St- Just get, don't go near them and just start making stuff in a vacuum of possibility because that's, you know. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, be strong, be strong for yourself, I think is is the thing and just like live in your own bubble about this. We've taken a lot of the, (laughs) we've taken a lot of the pushback so you guys can walk a a little bit of a clearer path. That's kind of the idea.
3: Yeah. Does anybody else?
2: it's funny I think as women oftentimes we're waiting for permission and I think we have to just take it and do it mm-hmm. and so I don't think you, you shouldn't wait anymore you have an iPhone make a movie mm-hmm. if you have a story that you want to tell write it I think yesterday we screened eight amazing films we all have different voices all have different things to say mm-hmm. and it's, it's up to us to just keep putting it out into the world because the world wants to see our stories
0: oh, go ahead uh, yeah, and I would also say specifically to, to young women who are interested in filmmaking that do, don't do what I did, which is mistake what you think is your personality for for being wrong for being a director. Like I was circling directing for so long without realizing, oh, I want to be a director because I kept telling myself I could never. I'm just not the kind of personality who could like tell everybody what to do and be the person in charge like I'm a little more laid back it's just like but I think honestly most of that is just happening to be uh, socialized as a woman you know to like well those things it doesn't happen to everybody but it definitely was present with me because then all of a sudden when I was kind of thrust into a position where I did it I was like oh this is what I was meant to do and I completely pushed it aside for like a good like I missed like a decade of filmmaking because I did that
3: and I think that's a lot it's a very gendery kind of thing that happens. That kind of um, moves me to my next question. I just kind of want to go a little bit deep, but uh, first, uh, what were some of the early mistakes that you made and how did they kind of shape you into the
6: filmmaker you, you are today? And this is for anybody, I will, anybody that has a story. I, you know, I, I don't know that I like to see it as mistakes. I think you just learn. Everything that you do for the first time, you go out there with everything you have, all the passion you have, and you're just going to learn. It's like anything you do when you got on a bicycle the first time you fell and you didn't go, shit, what was my mistake? You're like, you jump back on that and just start riding it again until you caught up with your friends. And that's it. That You just, you just do it. And just know that whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, it's all going to come out and your voice is going to be heard and seen. And every one of us has a super distinct story that is, is going to be told. And that's it. Don't be scared of it. Um, don't be scared of yourself. Don't be scared of people saying something because... You're the one doing it. So you could look at it as a mistake or you just learn it. It's just a learning thing and keep writing and, and have fun with it. Cause that's, that's what we're doing. We're having fun. You know, this is like a really phenomenal thing to do with your life. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I say to that. Yeah.
8: And I, I, yeah. Um, well, I think my mistake was just my hesitance. And even then I, I hate to even call it a mistake. Um, But oftentimes, I feel like it's very familiar to us to operate in spaces that we don't own, um, whether it is figuratively or physically and literally, but constantly maneuvering through spaces, especially as a woman of color, that you have no sense of control over, and not to say that you haven't tried, and not to say that you haven't taken up as much space as you possibly can, but to say that it hasn't been made for you in mind. It's this idea of being integrated into a system that just thought, as long as we include you, that's enough, rather than physically making the room for you. And James Weldon has this one line that says, would you like to be integrated into a burning house? And so it's one of those moments, I feel like, in which I've witness myself be hesitant in those spaces because I question my role in that space and as prepared as I think I am and as prepared as I know I am and this applies to AP Euro class and it applies to directing but it's like as prepared as I knew I was there are moments in which I was hesitant to really put my foot down within my own project and it wasn't to say that there was anybody telling me I couldn't but I think it was a more psychological moment of how many times have we been told we could? And fortunately, like fortunately, I do have that support system that does that for me, but it took that reminder from my support system after day one to be like, you know what? Day two, you can be even louder and bigger, and what's gonna happen except getting the results you want? It's funny,
2: yesterday when I saw my film, I, I've seen it a million times and I saw some mistakes and I was telling a friend, I said, gosh, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. They're like, just make another one. That's what you got to do. You got to just keep making them. So I think that's what you learn from making a film is to make another film and keep making it better.
3: So I want to kind of, I want to touch on another subject that we've, uh, we've, been, we've been hearing has been on top of conversations, which is pay and, and, um, and the disparity that we're seeing um, in, in our industry. Um, what would you guys, because, you know, it's a very, um, it, it's a very intimidating thing to approach when it comes to wanting to, uh, tr- saying what your value is and being steadfast, especially as a young filmmaker. What would you guys say, what, what kind of uh, advice would you give to people um, on how to negotiate those, those
7: waters? Uh, uh, you said something I thought was really smart is unless you're truly willing to walk away, it's not a negotiation. So, um, being okay with saying no and letting something go rather than taking, uh, less than what you deserve. But that also takes the confidence to know that something else will happen because I, you know, I have more experience as an actor than a director, but you feel very replaceable as an actor. And I think it's to, you know, producers and studios benefit that you feel replaceable because you don't feel like you can really negotiate that hard, but realizing that, like, even if I have to let, this or that project go, but I've stood to what I felt like I deserved to make, that was a better choice for me.
1: And, and the, the truth is, when you do that, um, somehow, like, the percentage of times they come back and, and give you the job, it's like, it has become an, a genuine tactic for me as well, as, like,
2: being willing to walk away, but then
1: not having to, you know? I've
2: I also think we have to talk about numbers and what people are making. I think um, this is where men do come in um, because if you ask them what they got paid and they're your friends, you can use that number to say, no, this is what I should get paid. Um, And I think a, a lot of times we're, you know, sort of conditioned not to speak about money because it's rude, but in this business it is about money. So getting your worth, the only way you'll know what your worth is is if you see what other people are getting compensated. I just had
0: like a silly aside about how Meryl Streep said that her, the first time in her extremely long career that she felt like she properly negotiated and got what she deserved on a movie was The Devil Wears Not That Long Ago. You know what I mean? She was like, that's the one where I was like, I'm Meryl Streep. Like, <laughs> you, you're going to pay me more than everybody else. So I thought that was funny. Um,
3: and I kinda of wanna flip the tables a little bit. So, you know, we, a, lot of, a lot of times we hear that a solution to the problem with the lack of females behind the camera is because there's not enough females in um, high-level positions um, giving us the jobs. But then there, there are people that say that it's, that's not the case, that, you know, power, uh, I mean, power can corrupt people at times. What would you guys say to, to,
9: those, to those critics? Well, Sorry, I just, it always bothers me when they're like, I, I meet people are like, well, there aren't any women directors. I'm like, actually, half of film schools are women. Half of the films at Sundance are women. But then when it gets to hiring practices in Hollywood, it goes down to 4% or 6%. So it's not for lack of any talent. So my solution is to hire women and take a little effort and, like, figure out who's great. Here's, you know, eight awesome directors. There's, like, so many. There's um, Free the Bid, which is a website that promotes like commercial directors there's femme fatales there's so many resources to find incredibly talented and experienced women filmmakers cinematographers so yeah I just the solution is to hire <laughs> it's not that hard I think and, and it's also to pay attention
2: like there's a risk in hiring new people but take the risk
3: somebody had to take a shot on someone so take the risk um, and I think we have to wrap it up soon but I kind of want to end on this question because you guys are all sitting here because you refuse to accept the current state as the status quo. So just as a fun question and how we like to wrap up the podcast is each and, 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 and if each of you guys can answer what is your what do you what's your favorite part about being a female a female filmmaker?
2: I think just being a female I, I mean being a filmmaker is to tell stories. I want to tell stories and they're burning inside. So just being able to hold up a mirror to this culture right now in history and to make your mark is is cool
0: yeah and i think there's like an interesting relationship that all of us directors who happen to be women have with this like female director thing it's this love hate thing where i want to be as i said on the clip thing like i don't want to talk about being a female director i want to talk about being a director what I mean by that is just like, won't it be nice when we get to the point where this is not a conversation anymore? Because it's like, it would like be us talking about when are we going to get the right to vote. You know what I mean? Like, when it's just normal, we live in a world that is normal and sane, and half of the women are directors. Maybe sometimes 65% of them are. You know what I mean? So, but since we do live in the world right now, and I force myself to have this relationship with reality, I, I think it's important to take it on and be like, yeah call attention to the fact that we are female filmmakers and watch how different our stuff is, that it's not all the same, that it's not less cool or less uh, marketable or less anything. It's just humans making films who have, you know, historically not been allowed to make films. So, uh, yeah. That's where
1: I'm at. I I also feel like um, maybe the audiences can tell us what's great about, like, a female filmmaker... Because when I saw the trailer for Wonder Woman, I saw that the action was different than any male action I've ever seen. There was a balletic quality to the way that she was moving the actors through the space and the camera around the actors. And it was literally motivated by dance and I could see it right away. And so I think we can't see ourselves from inside what we're bringing that's new. But every time you see a new voice, you see exactly where it's coming from. And so I think audiences, it would be really nice to have a, you know, a podcast where you talk to a bunch of really big film fanatics and ask them what they see that's great about female filmmakers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd just be curious. Yeah,
9: and I also don't like to think too much like about being a woman. Like, I'm a director, but, it's, but even seeing all of our films, I was like, this is so refreshing because, like, 96% has, you know, been told through a white male perspective. And, I'm like, we're all very... There's so much, like, fresh perspective, and it's exciting. And I feel like that is actually a very... Like in thinking about being a woman I'm like oh like audiences are, are deprived so like, there's, we're offering a lot of just unique new perspectives, experiences, stories like I, yeah it was so much fun to get a peek into all of these amazing filmmakers brains last night so it's been fun I would have to
8: say I appreciate just the support network that we have because I think being very aware of our position um, of not being quite the status quo yet I feel like has allowed us to be there for one another in a way that has I've really appreciated. Like I have a whole lot of aunties in this industry that I love (laughs) because it is that feeling of just knowing that you can turn to people and ask honestly for advice and it isn't jaded isn't tainted but if anything knowing that we're making space for each other and that's I guess the second part of it is like I love this space that we're continuing to make because we're just now scratching the surface of inclusivity and intersections like we haven't even really gotten into the intersections of what being a female is and gender and sexual identity and race and ethnicity and so like, and so I'm excited for just everything that's going to happen in which we get to layer our identities because you know we don't get to wake up and choose to be a female, we don't get to wake up and choose to be black, we don't get to wake up and choose what we're doing that day. If anything, it lives at once and it's quite messy and quite beautiful and I'm really excited for just everything that's to come of it. What she said.
7: I'm just excited for
1: Yara Shahidi to be an artist oh, in the world.
7: Like... I just spent a lot of time as an actor watching people make a lot of the same mistakes over and over again on various projects but not having the ability or it being... Um, unwelcomed when I would try and point out that maybe I'd seen that mistake before so I don't think this has anything to do with being a woman necessarily but I just enjoyed being able to take those years of experience and trying to you know, avoid those things and then steal from the best directors that I'd worked with so um, I maybe I, I, don't, I don't know that that has anything to do with gender but it was fun to be able to like put that into practice after uh, years of being on sets
6: I mean, I think everybody said it. I mean, we've all set our perspective. We've all done this. I think for me, the inclusivity here with these amazing directors that we have this sisterhood going on, I think this is pretty fucking cool.
3: I, I agree. I think it's so cool. And I think we're, we're, we're living, this is a great time to be a, a filmmaker who happens to be female. Like, ho, one day, hopefully, it's not going to be, you know, female Fil- filmmakers. You're just going to be your filmmaker that's doing great stuff. Um, thank you guys for being here. This was amazing. We heard so many good stuff. Thank you for being at our first ever live podcast recording. Yay! Very cool. <laughs>